0: Good morning, and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlos. I'm the special guest, Andrew Morrison, and I'm here with Karen and Kelly.
1: Good morning. Good morning, Andrew. Welcome back. Um, we're doing a follow-up podcast to the first one that we welcomed Andrew onto the show, where he kind of discussed his journey into um, his, his retail store, The Escape Movement. And there were some really special themes that we saw uh, pop up throughout the conversation. Eh? And one of the things that you had mentioned, Mom, was um, about Andrew's acceptance um, at each stage that he was at in his life. So we have invited you back to kind of talk about acceptance, I guess, in a general sense and, and happy to kind of venture off into wherever that takes us today. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay.
2: I'm interested to know what you think acceptance is. Okay. Is that okay to start there? Sure.
0: Um, and you
2: can give examples if you want to, Andrew, because I think everybody has a different idea. hmm and that acceptance can be a good thing and sometimes not a good thing because it gets us maybe stuck. Interesting. So if you want to just begin, we'll just listen.
0: Okay. Um, I wouldn't say that I have a definition for acceptance, but I will, as you said, give an example or a story. Um, <clears throat> and what I found with anything that you're facing in life, I think if you don't accept it, that's when you don't move past it. And that's when you end up in this vicious circle where maybe, you know, it leads to depression or it leads to unhappiness. Um, and you find yourself not moving past something. You're constantly going through the same motion. So my example of that would be is uh, maybe a friend of yours did something that hurt you. And uh, you resent that friend and what they did to you for a really long time. Whereas if you take a stance and you accept what happened and you move past it and you start looking at maybe why it happened and just, you know, finding a way to forgive your friend for it happening, you're going to release that tension that you're holding up inside Um, or anything that's happened. So maybe you've had a tough childhood or um, a breakup. And it's really hurting you. And people can go through that period of hurt for a really long time. And when it stops is when you accept it. And if you don't accept it, you're constantly living in this state of almost denial. And you're living in that pain. But if you accept it, know that it happened, um, you start to look at ways that you can move through it and move past it. And I think the first step towards getting through anything difficult is acceptance. And I've found... Um just through business lately anytime I come to a difficult situation or a stressful situation um I always try my best to accept it right away and I'm finding that I'm able to move past things and through things much quicker and a lot easier
2: It sounds like a skill
0: <clears throat> I think so it's, I think
2: you're like to me you're talking about developing a skill mm-hmm. and then using the skill over and over again and that you hear what i'm hearing is that the more often that you use it the easier it gets and that's mm-hmm. where people can get stuck if they don't do it often enough they do it once and then they don't go back and keep learning how to accept things cuz you're talking about doing it every day yeah when when you're when you're alive i mm-hmm. i'll say any human being is going to be confronted with having to accept or refuse something on a daily basis right
0: and it's almost having an internal dialogue with yourself where you Really acknowledge your thoughts and you acknowledge what's happening to you, your emotions and what's going on and then accepting it. And then, the, you know, one of the things I would like to talk about you is is your choice. I think people don't realize they have a lot of power in their own decision.
1: Can I interrupt before, sure. you, before you go down that path? Sure. And I'm, I'm excited to go there. Mm-hmm. If I'm listening properly, um, what I'm really hearing from the two of you is talking about being a good observer. Because I don't think you're capable of accepting what is until you understand what exactly it is. Right. So in the situation when you're talking about, or the example that you gave um, of a friend hurting you, mm-hmm. um, knowing, it's not necessarily knowing the, uh, the intention behind it, but at least understanding what happened. Mm-hmm. Being able to be uh, objective about the situation mm-hmm. and knowing both parties' parts in that. Um, and when you're saying it's a skill, the, the actual skill to accepting is being able to observe it properly. Uh, the facts, the emotions, and and those are all separate things that come together to create an experience. That's correct. And when you're now going into uh, talking about choice and people not remembering that they have choice, often is because they don't observe things properly.
0: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> or they've neglected to look at the whole picture Mm -hmm. you know and they get caught up on like if something negative happens and it was a painful experience they'll look at the pain that it caused and they hold on to that and a lot of people hold on to pain for a long long time and i think the lesson that i've learned the reason i want to talk about acceptance is because as soon as you are able to accept that you went through a painful event you're able to move through it and get past it.
1: Well, what I think is really cool is that, um, you always seem to be in control of your own life. Mm. And as soon as you realize what's happening around you mm-hmm. and you accept what that is, yeah, you start to realize what parts you're in control of and what parts you're not. And that's where you end up seeing your choice. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I find that a, a, an amazing skill that you, that you have.
0: Yeah. And that's where, where it comes into the decision as well. You know, if, uh, If you've been down for a long period of time um, and you're trying and you're finding yourself in this pattern of wanting to get out of this, let's say, depression, um, you know, it's this choice to take action. You know, it's a decision you make to make a difference in your life and to not be in that state anymore. And sometimes things will come back. And what I've found for myself personally, and it's constantly an internal dialogue where something will come up and it'll take me out of what I call, I just call it my iron mind. And I try to have an iron mind. And it doesn't always happen, but I've been calling it that. And if something bad happens and I'm stressed out and I'm bummed out, and at the end of the night, <clears throat> you know, it hasn't been a good day, things are kind of weighing on me, I try to do things to put myself back into the state of mind I want to be in. And so it's acknowledging that I'm not where I want to be, noticing that, but noticing that it's okay. Like this happened, I went through some things today, but I have to accept what happened today and know that I'm not going to let this affect me tomorrow. And I'll, you know, some nights I can't shake it. So I make a choice to go to bed. And typically when I start a new day, it's a new chapter and I usually don't bring in that negative energy from the day before but in the circumstances where it does again I know that I'm going to work through it and I'm going to continue to find a way to get myself back to where I want to be because I think this is where people can start a downward spiral and what I've noticed um, from my own experience being in a situation where you've spiraled down you can stay in that state for a very long period of time it could be hard to get yourself out of it And when you feel on top because you know you've been low before, it can be scary when something takes you out of that situation because you think that, oh, this is just the start of the spiral again. But it doesn't have to be. So it's identifying that that's just like the first step. Maybe two or three steps will happen in a day and you've gone back. But acknowledging it, accepting it, and being okay with it is the first step to bringing yourself back up to where you want to be, back to your iron mind. So.
2: It reminds me of a period of time in my life where I used post-it notes for Mm this. Okay. I'm thinking about all the ways you still use (laughs) post-it notes. (laughs) But I I took a post-it note for a period of time Mm -hmm. and I wrote breathe on it. And I stuck it on my um, uh, uh, Wheel. Wow, in oh, my car, steering wheel. Yeah. Steering wheel. <laughs> oh my god, the words, the words. Oh, uh, the steering wheel in my car. Yeah. Because it was someplace I was getting in and out of all day long. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you're driving around doing work and personal things whatever. And but it was my rem- reminder to breathe.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: in that moment, it was my check-in moment. Uh, uh, uh what, what I'm kind of hearing you're talking about um I had to check in with myself to make a conscious choice to assess my day. Mm -hmm. to see if I was accepting, as you say, accepting what's happened in my day, if I was carrying an inner dialogue of destruction, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: or if I was problem solving. Mm -hmm. And I remember at various points, excuse me, at various points thinking that I had, it was 11am in the morning, and I was getting in the car. And if the morning had been bad, I could go, oh my god, at least it's only 11am. And I've got the rest of the day. Then it was like 3pm. Oh, it's just 3 p.m. I've still got the rest of the day. And then it was like 8 o'clock at night if I was going out to, you know, run an errand or pick up the kids or something. And it was like, oh, my God, I've got two more hours before bed. I can still go back and or still find something of my day. So it was to be able to look at where I was in, at each point and check in with myself. Right. Which was giving me, I'll call it one of my tools in my toolbox. Right for me to uh, be able to see the bigger picture Mm -hmm. as you're talking about that observation and be able to make a choice that I still had the ability to change it.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. I, I I will go on to one of the tools that I found then that's been very effective for me. Um, And it's something that I learned at the start of this year as i was kind of pulling myself out of you know a difficult time and what really accelerated that for me was learning to be grateful Mm. not that i hadn't been in the past but becoming aware of being grateful and practicing gratitude every day um before going to bed at night um, and even especially i find on the days where things didn't go your way if you look back, you can still find things to be grateful in that day. So instead of sticking to this mindset of like, oh, this bad thing happened in the day, go to bed and at least you're thinking about the one or two good things that happened in the day. And you can find something, it could be the sunset. It could be you know, spending a bit of time with your significant other or a friend or a loved one or your parents or having a good conversation with somebody you know, or a stranger, it could be anything. And if it's like one of those moments and you look back and you're like, okay, I have that, you know, or I'm going to bed in a comfortable bed or, you know, there's all these different things that you can be grateful for. Yeah. You're going to wake up, start the day, think about, you know, just waking up and having a fully functional body. That's an amazing thing to be grateful for, you know, and being able to go and do what you want to do and living in a beautiful place. You know, there's a lot of things to be grateful for. So you start your day thinking about that. And all of a sudden, you'll start to find that that gratitude starts to bring about, I think, a better perspective. And you start looking at the world through a better lens. So if you're looking at it through like a negative lens, because you've had negative things happen to you, then that's what you're going to see. But if you practice gratitude, you can start looking at the world through a positive lens. And then you start seeing the positive things that are happening around you.
1: I love that tool. And that's something that I use with my clients, with uh, with health coaching and life coaching. And one of the, um, I'll say snags that I've run into with some people is that they think, well, nothing big happened today. Mm. And I'm like, well, it can be as simple as having the right crunch in your apple.
0: Right. You know when you bite yeah. into
1: like a a crappy apple mm-hmm. and you're like this is oh. so disappointing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then when you get that like that gala apple that's got the right crunch, I'm like write that down in your gratitude journal. Why mm-hmm. is that not fantastic in your day? And they, and people don't realize it doesn't have to be something huge that it can just be um like appeal to the senses, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I actually read something about the way we start our day, and I can't remember the source, so I apologize, but um Typically, within the first 30 seconds of when we wake up in the morning, we're already making lists of things that we have to do in the day. So we've stressed Mm. ourselves within the first 30 seconds of waking up. And that's not even considering when we wake up from bad dreams, right? Being stressed throughout the night. But one of the tools that you can do is apply this gratitude list to your first couple seconds in the morning when you wake up. So anyone with a nightstand who wants to keep a notepad or a pen next to it brainstorming three things that you're grateful for from the previous day or things that you're looking forward to Mm -hmm. during that, that present day, um, to, like you say, set, you know, set that kind of mind frame of how you're going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm, I loved it, but it seems, it seems to be hard for people if it's not, um, used every day, like a muscle. Yes. I,
0: I think like a muscle or any other habit or activity, um, you know, you practice it long enough and it becomes something that you start to do without, thinking about it so if if it takes having a journal and uh, that's what it took for me it was a book called the five minute journal and uh it simply has a page and you start your day with uh three things that you're grateful for and then three things that you would love to see happen that day and the funny thing about writing something like that out it's like oh what do i really want to have happen today you know it could be like oh i'd like to have a good conversation with my parents i'd like to um you know go on a date i'd like to you know catch up with some of my friends you'll notice them when they happen you know and a lot of these things happen spontaneously you might be in the grocery store and have like a 10 minute conversation with somebody you haven't seen in a while and it's like oh that happened today and you check it off whereas that might have just happened and you know it passes by and you'll feel good that it happened but you haven't really acknowledged you know or found the gratitude for it actually happening so Yeah, these practices are really good. And I'd recommend that book to anybody um, and to everyone. I think it's a really great tool to have in your toolbox.
2: Remember a period of time in my life when I had extreme pain. Mm -hmm. And I walked into my doctor's office and asked him to kill me. And I was absolutely dead serious because I had so much physical pain. I didn't think I could stand it for another minute. I didn't know what to do with my experience of life. I couldn't think past my pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you when you were mentioning earlier this evening about talking about acceptance, um, it brought to mind some very difficult moments where a marriage ends, mm-hmm. um, a lifestyle ends, mm-hmm. dreams end, mm-hmm. um, illnesses hit, mm-hmm. um, there there and there are many uh mm. when you have eight brothers and sisters there are, there are there are many different things or for anybody in in life there are lots of things that are difficult to accept so it can even and what comes to mind too Andrew is sometimes um you can have religious beliefs and you have to accept that they're wrong right that 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 a church or that a system a school system or society has lied. And that the acceptance is, is that somebody has rejected you. The acceptance is, is that somebody has lied to you or Mm -hmm. stabbed you in the back. Mm -hmm. There, there are so many deep things that come to mind, physical pain and good. Just quickly going back to that physical pain, I just remember him saying he couldn't do a thing for me wow, and that I had to learn to live with it. So I remember coming home and laying down on my couch, having two small kids And at that time, my husband and a job, trying to think of how I was ever going to be able to live with such excruciating pain, and in that moment, I just remember laying there crying, and eventually coming to the thought that I was just going to have to accept it. Mm -hmm. I was pushed to the very end of what I thought I could endure, Mm -hmm. um, physically, and. In that moment, I started breathing, and all I thought about was that all I could concentrate on was my next breath because I couldn't cope with the pain. And it was in the breathing, in the pain, and I, that moments later, I don't know how many, that the pain started going away because I was focusing on my breathing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it did come back. I'm not saying that that was all, oh, and there's the end, there's the good story. I had to keep learning to do that. Mm-hmm. I had to keep learning that when I was in that much pain, if it was in the grocery store or whatever, that I had to just go back to breathing. So when you talk about the gratitude and that you have to to find something, all I could focus on sometimes was that I was breathing. And sometimes I wasn't too happy about it. But as I learned to accept it, everything just started to shift within my body.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Mm. It's a big lesson. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people that listen to this, when they first listened to you talking, they might have thought, oh, yeah, what, is, what bad has ever really happened to Andrew? Right. Right? Like, they might not know your whole, like, all of your story of mm-hmm. your your intimate pain. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when we're hearing other people, we fluff it up and make it, like, uh you know yeah he owns a business he must be rich he's you know life is easy they don't they don't really understand what you've had to learn to accept Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah the ups and downs everybody goes through i call it the human experience um you know and some of my getting through some of my more difficult times um i started to think about like how bad is this really and then when you start looking around and realizing all the things you still have and what you really haven't lost in the process, um, you start to realize like really, you know, it's, it's not that big of a loss. And when you start to look at like some of the things that could and will potentially happen in a lifetime, you know, you have to, it kind of wakes you up again.
2: Oh, I like what you just said because yeah. you're talking about acceptance and now you're defining some of it. So mm-hmm. like the, the, To be able to accept a loss, to be able to accept uh, an ending, Mm -hmm. um, a rejection, Mm -hmm. um, but maybe meaning, can we also accept a new beginning?
0: Exactly. Can
2: we accept a new relationship, Mm -hmm. a new job, Mm -hmm. Um, discovering another aspect of who we are because of a loss, Mm -hmm. or maybe a new person in our life because of a loss, Mm -hmm. maybe. You know, if it's a friend or or marriage or a child, you know, whatever. But that can we invite something else in as something else is leaving? And part of what acceptance is, is being able to be open again.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's the lens that you're choosing to look at the world through. So the half empty, half full glass sort of conversation that we've all had. So you could look at a relationship ending in a very negative manner and being like, oh, I don't, I'm not worthy of love. Um, I will never find true love again. And you look at all these negative things and put yourself in this negative situation or you can choose to look at it as this is going to lead to uh, me rediscovering myself. This is going to lead to me finding somebody who's going to treat me better. This is going to lead to better things in my life. So again, that's the awareness of your thought pattern. And being aware of it and choosing the higher ground in those thought patterns.
1: I think what's really cool, too, is as you're talking, you're not letting shame or guilt be a block in in your acceptance. Right. Mm-hmm. Because um, just as you're giving examples, I'm thinking I'm starting over again uh, with my body. I've just come off an injury. Today was the first day I got to actually go for a light jog. <laughs> um, and th- just the frustration that you can feel mm. with starting over. Mm-hmm much the same way you're talking about starting over in relationships or with, with other people or jobs. Um, and, and how I can compare to where I was and I can stay stuck in the guilt and the shame that I didn't listen to my body, which got me to the injury, or I can sit there and think, okay, this is day one again, and I'm going to do it better this time.
0: That's a great example. And I love that you're giving that example. Um, because I deal with that, um, in different aspects of my life. So if uh, I'm training and I go in and one day I'm having a day that I'm not seeing the results that I once seen, you feel like you're taking a step back. <clears throat> or if I go out kiteboarding, for example, on a trick that I used to l- land every day, every time I can't land because it's been a few weeks. You have to relearn it. So you feel like uh-huh. <clears throat> you're not as you, you're not your best self. Like, oh, I know I can do better than this. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. And, uh, you know that used to happen to me frequently, and I'll just give the kiteboarding example. You know, it's just one trick, but you'd go out and get very frustrated in the moment, and kind of beat yourself up over it because you can't do it. And it's like I used to be able to do this, and you can ruin what is a really fun activity. What's your escape? What gets you out? And you know, like something you're really passionate about and enjoying, you can completely ruin it by kind of beating yourself up about it. Or you, you know, the choice that I've made now: if I'm not landing it. I just choose to accept it and realize, like, I'll get it back. You know, this isn't the end of it. Just like today was your first light jog. Mm -hmm. That's like step one at getting back to running the way that you'd like to run and performing the way that you'd like. But you know in your mind that if you keep working at it, you'll get there. So not to be discouraged, but to know that you have the resilience and the drive to get yourself back to where you need to be. So what I do in a lot of situations now too, anytime I go into um, a new situation, I try to look at the worst outcome um, and I try to imagine what that would be like and kind of go through a scenario, you know, how I would handle that and almost accepting the worst outcome before it happens. So almost priming myself to accept the inevitable one way or another and it takes the stress out of it so in my business the biggest thing that i've done because it used to cause me daily stress is i've accepted it failing completely and i've because of that taken incredible amounts of stress off my shoulders because now i don't care and it's like a funny thing where people around me care more than i do and it's not that i don't care it's that I, uh-huh. if it fails, uh-huh. and it can no longer run, even though in the back of my mind I have a succession of backup plans on how I could still keep it going, uh-huh. um, even you know if certain scenarios don't work out. I have accepted that that could happen. It's not the end of the world if it happens, and there are other options and other doors that will open if it were to happen, and it makes me feel really good, uh, just knowing that I'm able to accept that.
2: It puts the excitement back in again.
3: Yeah.
0: And
2: like, I think about dating and I think mm-hmm. about when, when you, when you first date, when you mm-hmm. meet somebody, mm-hmm. all the expectation that's, in, that we put on another person, mm-hmm. um, to put us in a relationship and keep us in one. <laughs> right. But, um, if,
1: Whoa, sorry. You just said to, you put the expectations on the other person? Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. And I think that no, I think a lot of people put those expectations on themselves. Okay, fair enough. We'll go with both. Either yeah, that's or. that's neat. Is that good? Yeah, I feel
2: like I'm about to kiss you. It's so close. <laughs> 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 We're sharing one microphone so Andrew can have the other one. Um, but I think about how people have these expectations. And instead of accepting the fact that it's just a relationship and... If it's going to end, mm-hmm. to be able to see, much like what you just talked about in your business, mm-hmm. that there is the possibility that the relationship can end. And we, we aren't conditioned that way. We're conditioned mm-hmm. for the ever after at the altar. That's right. And instead of accepting that this is a relationship for as long as it's healthy, yeah. instead of forcing something, um, I'll say past its healthiness.
0: yeah. And and so, and a lot of that has to do with accepting that you're dealing with another individual who has their own priorities, their own goals, their own mind, their own life, and their own decision. Mm-hmm. And you have to accept their choice no matter what it is. And you can't force it and you can't change it. And you have to be willing to accept it.
2: Have you met all the fixers out there? <laughs> who? sorry (laughs) have you met all the fixers out there i call them the fixers meaning all of the men and women boys and girls whatever you want to call it um who get into relationships so they can fix the other person right and that in when you're fixing Mm. if you're listening to this and you're one of the fixers fixers always know who they are by the way um they do they do they typically know who they are But when you're a fixer, there's a lack of acceptance. It's Mm -hmm. the exact opposite of what you're saying, Andrew, because they go into the relationships thinking, with a little work, he, she will be where I want them to be. Mm -hmm. This relationship will be great when this person does this. When. When. And so that's the whole key then, that there's no acceptance as to when I married or love or lived with or whatever this person That I was accepting who they are. I didn't go into it with any acceptance at all. I went into it to fix them, which is the opposite of what you're referring to.
0: And, you know, that becomes a work in progress. And, you know, the difficult thing about that is you might not ever see the end result. It might not ever come to fruition. So people put a tireless, endless amount of work into something to never get the results they're looking for.
2: I call that energetically hemorrhaging
0: right, yeah, that makes sense I think um I think that's something that's really unfortunate. I think a lot of people find themselves in that situation, then there's a sense of helplessness, or they feel personally responsible for things not working out or not being able to change them and getting the desired results that they want.
1: I think that in some cases that's correct, but in some cases uh fixers will pick. Uh, we'll call them the breakers, the uh, the other partner mm-hmm. in the relationship, because they ultimately know that when it ends, it's actually not their fault mm-hmm. and that the person was broken to begin with. And so I can't really own uh, the problems in this relationship. Yeah. And sometimes they'll pick someone with great potential, which let's face it, we all have. Um, and they'll, they pride themselves on being the one to see the potential and want to draw it out of them. Mm. And if the other person doesn't want to quote unquote, step up, then really the breaker broke the relationship instead.
0: Interesting, I and you know what I see that a lot in people where you see their potential just in friends and family and mm-hmm. acquaintances. So I can see how easily somebody could see that in a relationship and want to bring that out, but um, you know, almost getting frustrated and disgruntled with the person for not recognizing that themselves and putting the energy in that they're you know, expecting them to take out of it.
2: Parents can do that to their children and yes. kill their spirit in the process. Yes,
0: yes, yes.
2: And I think when you pick this topic today of acceptance, mm-hmm. it, it, my mind went into so many different types of relationships. Oh, yeah. And into so many different situations where uh, bosses will hire employees based on potential instead of accepting them for who they are. Right. and then firing them or letting them go because they didn't rise to their potential. Right. Instead of accepting them.
3: Mhm. Mhm.
2: And and nurturing them to grow. There's such a difference between nurturance and acceptance.
0: And and a big part of that too is a lot of people want their partner to change. The change will never happen unless the individual wants that change to happen. Mm-hmm right we've all discussed this but it's the truth so no matter how much you try no matter how much energy you put in personally it's not going to change anything it's up to the other person in the relationship so yeah i think we can get into that a little bit more i want to make sure my mic is on it is okay okay all right i just noticed it was flatlining back there we can
2: you're you're getting to be a regular so that yeah it's good
0: yeah I just noticed, uh, the sound waves in the background. Okay. All right. So, um, sorry about that. Um, but, uh, so, okay. So yeah, I think the relationship part is really interesting because there's a lot that you can dive into with relationships. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with different aspects of relationships. And this is probably one that I see a lot of people struggling with as well. Not that I'm a relationship guru or anything like that, but coming from my own personal experiences, you know, acceptance has been a very strong and powerful tool. Uh, Two tools that I've also learned that are kind of interesting to apply. Um, Again, it'll be interesting to try and give an example of how this would work. But it, it it's knowing what you want um, and what you feel you deserve from your partner. And if you're not getting it, being confident enough to say, like, listen, this is how I want to be treated. I'm not happy with the way you're treating me. If this continues, then, you know, I can't continue to be in this situation. And being able to put that out there and understand that, like, you value yourself more than to be torn down or taken down in in the relationship and I don't think a lot of people identify that in themselves they don't oh why am I feeling this way why is this happening oh well you know this behavior that I'm noticing isn't working for me in the relationship so I'm going to identify it give my partner a chance by clearly outlining um, how this is affecting me and how I need it to change and then if the partner chooses not to then it's up to you again to be like okay well The only option for me now is to step out and being confident in that decision, knowing that it's the right decision and then, you know, accepting that it just is what it is.
1: I think this is neat because I think a lot of people will will go back to their own version of what acceptance is and mm-hmm. thinking, well, if I'm not being treated the way I want to, I just need to accept that this is what the relationship is, right. which is where I think in the beginning, you mom had mentioned that it can sometimes be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so there's kind of a next level to acceptance mm. and mm-hmm. where, where I think you labeled it really well with worth.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm was referring in some ways to where people become accepted or accept, um, abuse, right? where they accept, this is just taking it in a different vein now, but where they accept no bar at all, no standard, no uh, self-respect, no respect for another person, where they can accept unhealthy situations and listen to what we're talking about and use what we say against another person. Uh, to be able to manipulate and control.
0: Interesting, yeah. Mm. And you know, I haven't explored that avenue of acceptance in my journey yet. Mm -hmm. But it's very interesting that you mentioned that. Um, And the first thing that kind of comes to mind is somebody who knows they have more potential, but accepting not to pursue that potential. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting... You know, for whatever reason, they find themselves not.
2: Well, you think about people that are, um, that are driven by a passion mm-hmm. and accept the job Yeah. as a, and then expect that they're going to be, I'll say in a relationship outside of that, like in their personal life and think that that's not going to influence it. Be able to think that they're going to be able to separate being unhappy at work all day because they're just doing the job. Mm-hmm. Um, But that they're not going to take that home and be angry with the kids or their spouse or their roommate or Mm -hmm. the dog.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Whatever, whatever, whomever is in their lives.
0: So people end up accepting the bad job. They end up accepting the bad relationship. They end up accepting Mm -hmm. the bad friendships. And um, they allow themselves to feel trapped by that. And... The reality is, is where I was saying it comes down to choice as well. And choice is a huge thing. If you're not in a job that you're happy with, you have the choice to change that. And then a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to take a pay cut. You know, it's like, okay, so you're going to continue to be miserable and unhappy because you're making a couple extra bucks an hour. Is that happiness and, you know, worth it for you? If you're going to sacrifice your happiness for a few bucks, what are you willing to sacrifice? And I always tell people that you're going to be, it's going to be way better off to sacrifice the money for happiness. Because you can learn to adapt and live in a different standard of life and become happy with that. Again, that's accepting, like, okay, I'm going to have to live with less money, but I will still be happy. Some of the happiest people in the world have the least. So money isn't going to make you any happier. And it's not going to bring you everything you want in your life. And if this job is tearing you down, get rid of it and start working on finding happiness, and the money will come. You have to trust that it will come.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I was going to say that I think um, when you were talking about people not seeing their options or saying that's not an option when people do point point it out, um, it it just it feels like laziness. Yeah. Um and I've talked well, we've talked about this a lot in in our workshops where. When change is something that needs to happen, so mm-hmm. when they identify that they're unhappy in a certain in a certain way, um, it takes energy to stay stuck
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it takes energy to change, mm-hmm. and you're going to expend energy either way. so where do you want to put your efforts uh, and i think I think a lot of people confuse comfortable with familiar
0: yeah, yes um it's funny you mentioned familiar because I was thinking about that a lot yesterday. How people will continue to go into an abusive relationship because it's familiar. And they'll continue to go to bad jobs because it's familiar. Um, I don't know exactly why that is. I think familiarity is a comfort thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes getting treated with love, people will push it away. Even though that's what they desire and they want when they finally get it, they're scared because it's an unfamiliar place. And I think they get scared because they're not accepting that love into their life when it's presented to them.
2: Oh, I love where the conversation's going. Okay, because now you're now you're also talking about acceptance, as in the accepting emotions and mm-hmm. accepting love, mm-hmm. which is one of the biggest things that we both see in our practices. Yeah, is a huge. It's just absolutely huge. Is that most people won't accept love or their own self worth?
0: Right. Yeah. Or they'll accept the opinions that other people have of them instead of defining themselves by their own. And they'll let other people define them.
1: Well and see I think that's where laziness comes in again. And okay. and the and I'm not arguing anything, I'm mm-hmm. definitely agreeing with your point. Um the laziness to not be your own observer. Yeah. Because if you decided, no, I'm not going to accept what you what you think of me or what you say I am. I'm going to observe it and see if I agree.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to observe it and see if there's more. Um, that that's the effort that we do. That's the self the self work.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That requires thinking
0: and digging in time. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen immediately. I think uh, one of the unfortunate things about our fast paced world right now is people expect results quickly, immediately. You know, you can Google your answer to everything. And when Google doesn't give you the answer to your problems in life, you know, it's going to take some work.
1: Oh my God. Even when Google does have the answer, if it's not on page <laughs> one, we don't click on page two.
0: Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> or even article two. I mean, yeah. everybody just goes to the first article, but, um, I think that's a very good point that you're making, you know, laziness, I think, it can be a bit of a harsh term. And I think somebody out there who's going through a hard time uh, and thinks that like, Oh, well, I'm you know just lazy now because I haven't done this. Like that could bring about sort of like a negative emotion and start that downward spiral again. Mm-hmm. But um, there's some truth to it. You know, it's like, if you really want change and desire change, you have the choice to make change happen. This is the decision thing again. So you have three choices to do nothing as a choice, um, to keep living the same way that you've always lived or to start making a difference and just take a step in the direction that you're hoping to head in.
1: I I love that you pointed out that lazy is a harsh term because, uh, and I know in our practice, we both use harsh terms for people Mm -hmm. because it's often the only way people wake up. Yes. And I do realize, and I hope it's safe to speak on behalf of you as well, um, it makes them angry. Mm -hmm. And often people won't do anything until they get angry.
0: You have to bring the emotion into it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and the anger is the thing that lights the fire under their butt and makes them move into action. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So.
1: I think we're very comfortable making people uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's
0: what it takes. You have to get them out of their comfort zone. And this is where fear comes in uh because i think a lot of people um like we talked about familiarity when something's new they're afraid of it they're afraid of the unknown so they're worried about stepping into it and so accepting your fears and not being like and if you are scared of something like really looking at your fear and dissecting it and i always give the example of like you know five people are standing at the edge of the cliff And everybody jumps in except for one person and everybody's swimming and having a good time but the one person's still standing there contemplating it and this one person thinks they're going to get hurt. They're going to, you know, something bad's going to happen they're going to screw it up and they, you know, pace back and forth endlessly and maybe they won't even take the jump or eventually they will and they'll find out that it's, like, safe. But while they're pacing back and forth they're creating all this, like, scenario in their mind of all the bad things that can possibly happen and to them that you know, really never end up happening. It's the anxiety. I think anxiety comes from your mind. I don't think anxiety actually exists. Anxiety is yourself looking at a breakup and being like, oh my God, I'm going to spend the rest of my life alone. (laughs) And creating this worst case scenario and then you live Mm -hmm. with this anxiety, this like worst case possible scenario Mm -hmm. or diving off the cliff and somehow you know hurting yourself you know which could potentially happen when you jump off a cliff but if you do it right you know or even mess up along the way you're not going to end up with any sort of serious significant injuries so yeah
2: can i speak as a medium now okay one of the things that i hear the most from the spirit world as a medium meaning that when people have died hmm one of the things that they do during the sessions Mm -hmm. is accept the death, all of the things. No, no, the life, the life. They finally accept the things that they weren't capable of doing on earth or Mm. chose not to. And in the acceptance of I abused you. Now here comes my apology. Mm -hmm. Now here comes my admission Mm -hmm. that I did this Mm -hmm. and as much as I am so happy to give those messages to people because it finally helps them heal, mm-hmm. there is still a part of me that feels so sorry that it that they waited to die to be able to accept who they were. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That that this had to come at this point. Mm-hmm. Instead of having as we've all three of us have been talking about, accepting truly who they are and what they did on earth. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about acceptance today, my head goes into what I've also learned as a medium. And how much pain it causes the people that we love when we don't accept who we are Mm -hmm. and how we are living our own life.
0: Yeah. And I think you brought up something in the last interview. Where it kind of comes into like identifying your purpose and why you're here, and I think everybody has a purpose here. And you know, if you're in the wrong job or in the wrong, you know, if you're not happy, you're depressed, you're shifting away from your purpose. You're not aligned with what you really want in this lifetime. So you got to take that as an identifier and not ignore that, you know. And I think again with practice, you become more and more in tune to how your body is feeling why you're feeling a certain way, and when to sort of make adjustments. But if you're not asking yourself these questions and trying to identify what's going on internally, you'll repeat the same problems endlessly. So it's very important to be able to find that identification.
2: Okay, so I'm going back again to what we do is for a living. Okay. And when we are able to <clears throat> recognize... That people are set in their patterns because they Mm -hmm. can't accept their own issues, Mm -hmm. they don't do the work, Mm -hmm. and they project that onto their partner.
0: Yes, yeah.
2: So it can be projected onto one partner, but why am I now? Why am I? Why have I married the three same females? Mm -hmm. Why have I married the three same guys? Mm -hmm. Why do I keep dating the same blah blah blah? But it's not the it's them not being able to accept who what who they are their own behavior, their own beliefs.
0: And another pattern I see a lot too is um, people find themselves looking for something for someone else. Um, And a lot of time it's pity. So when they're in a bad situation, they want people around them to be like, oh my gosh, look at all the pain and suffering you're going through. Like, I really pity your situation. So they project this and they, they want that I don't know what sort of um, benefit will provide the person and why people search for pity, but I find it's something that a lot of people end up searching for. And when you realize it's a dead-end road that leads to nowhere, it's not going to give you anything or gain anything. And you can get out of that situation where you're seeking that from other people. Um, That's when... You start to make better decisions for yourself and you can start moving forward. But as long as you're in there, I feel like pity is one of the lowest places a person can be. I think that becomes a very vicious cycle. And Then it becomes a familiar cycle. And then it becomes a comfortable place. And then it's this constant thing where when somebody does pity on them or give them the pity they're looking for, it's like, okay, yeah, other people are seeing it. Yeah, my life sucks. It is bad. Now that I have this you know somebody acknowledging the bad that has happened and then it's this perpetual thing where they're just looking for more and more people to be like oh my god yeah you're right things are so bad for you i'm so sorry
2: and sometimes that's how they get everything Mm -hmm. that's their mode of control to be Mm -hmm. able to get, get everything that they want including monetary or um Dinner invitations, whatever, mm-hmm. that's their way of surviving. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh-huh. so for some people, um, that's, they have to be, we have to help them be able to look at that um, and accept that part of themselves. Uh-huh, that, uh-huh. that that's their mechanism um, to stay comfortable or to meet their own needs. Uh-huh. But as you said earlier, that they have other choices. And that they have the ability to come outside of that if they get the right tools.
1: What I think is really neat, uh, um, as you're giving this example for the medium part, is that even though we talk to the spirits on the other side who can talk about their own acceptance of their life that they lived as a human, Mm -hmm. um, we can sit in front of the human themselves, like the family member or the friend, and say that this person is going to experience another lifetime. Of learning those lessons that they missed in, in this, this one. Life. Yeah. And that's usually a jaw dropper because people are like, What do you mean? What do you mean I have to experience this again if I didn't, if I married the same kind of man three times or the same kind of woman three times and never divorced, never left, never changed my behaviors? I have to do another life of this?
3: Whoa. Yeah. And they're yeah. like,
1: Oh, no, no, no. I'm doing number four right. Um, yeah, that, that's a huge eye opener, but unfortunately sometimes is quote unquote too late.
0: So, uh, one of the ways I've started to perceive the world around me is kind of almost looking at it and it's a funny way to describe it. I I don't play video games, but I kind of look at it now as a video game and my mission in this life that i'm living right now is to have as much fun as i can possibly have
1: cool
0: and while doing that treat people as kindly as possible and like have a positive impact so that i'm not going around maliciously doing anything to have fun for myself you know i think that's that's not the idea at all but like to have a good time and bring joy and happiness into other people's lives that's like mission number one and yeah kind of like almost feeling like yeah it will start over you know like it will come back to you know a new beginning and just whether it does or doesn't we'll never know for sure but there is some sort of peace that comes with that just feeling like yeah it's not just a one-shot deal yeah
1: you've kind of got all your bases covered. So if there mm-hmm. is an afterlife, you've done life right. yeah, <laughs> so you got a ticket somewhere good And then if, and if you get a reset button, yeah, you just get to try again.
0: Exactly. And if it isn't, then at least you lived your life the way you wanted to to yeah. the fullest. Yeah
1: So
2: Andrew, what is the most difficult thing you've had to accept that kind of pushed you into this process of thoughtful with pure intent? to figure this out for yourself
0: Mm -hmm. um i would say it was a really big business failure to the point where like we were just scraping by and knowing that it was on the edge of potentially closing and having lost what i worked for at the time for about eight years and worked really hard for to see like, the financial earnings and everything that I had like, accumulated over eight years to like disappear, to go into debt uh, for the first time in my life and kind of have that panic of like, oh no, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this sort of situation? Um, and then like a major failure um, for me was attempting to open up a store in Toronto and things just not working out the way I intended them to. And then a lot of bad things kind of spiraled around that time. And it just felt like this conspiracy to like make my life as difficult as possible. And in a way, when I look back in my own actions back then, I was I was making bad decisions. And it was almost, you know, like it was almost this self-fulfilling prophecy that I had where things were going bad. And it was like, how bad am I going to see this go? You know, and like my whole mindset changed that iron mind that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. It was gone. I didn't know how to get it back and at the time it just felt like I had created this because I wasn't in the right mindset and I felt like wow you know like I felt really in control and I felt like I was in control of my success in life up to that point but then in this circumstance like I was in control of this and then this was all my fault and I had nobody else to blame I was making all the decisions so um, it's hard for me to explain you know in terms like what I went through without getting into a lot of detail but you know the basically like all I could say is working everything I'd worked for in my life after that point had pretty well disappeared and then I was like scraping by and I knew I was going to have to dig deep to keep it going and then I had to you know lay off employees who were friends and I had to make just extremely difficult decisions time after time and I didn't know what my life was going to be like so, you know, I knew what I wanted and it didn't, I didn't know if this was going to be the path that was going to get me there anymore. Was there a second part to that question?
2: No, I just, okay. re- I really liked what you said about that you had to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because I just think so many people are in places where they feel victimized, but they, it doesn't dawn on them for a single second to for take sure. responsibility.
0: And you know what? Um, it, it took me a while to get out of that headset and that mindset. It took me over what way close over a year. It probably took me a year of completely going through the paces, and a year and a half of like I'd say six months leading up to the store of a bad mindset. Six months of having a store, a second store that failed and put me into this much worse state and then a year of dealing with that and trying to get out of it before I started to come to terms with things. And during that time, I I will admit that I was blaming other people. I was um blaming things that happened in my past, decisions that, you know, like, oh, you know, like this one decision that didn't happen for me that i felt it kind of snowballed things you know i was blaming the the people that kind of prevented me from fulfilling that goal um Mm -hmm. and yeah you start to blame all these outside sources and when you're in that blame and you know what when i was in that situation where i felt like i'd lost everything i i was looking for pity as well like i was looking Mm -hmm. for like wow this has been a really hard time i don't know why i wanted people to pity me so it came through me acknowledging all of these bad behaviors that I had, these bad mental habits that I was forming. And I knew that I had to change it. And so I'd work at changing it. And It was this up and down and up and down. And um, starting this year was when I got my hands on the Five Minute Journal. It was when I started taking care of my body again. Uh, by spending more time in the gym, just doing things for me to like kind of build myself up. And a few healthy habits that I started forming for me, taking care of myself, I noticed it started to have a profound effect on my business. So I think during that time, like one of the big things that happened when I opened the Toronto store, one of the biggest things that happened is I lost all my free time. I started driving to and from Toronto two or three times a week. I don't like being on the road that often. It drives me nuts. Uh, I started sleeping in you know, the back of the shop on skids. It was really uncomfortable. It wasn't an ideal lifestyle. I started putting myself last over and over again. I stopped working out because I didn't have time. I was too busy with the two shops. And I started creating this existence for me that even if had I been making money, it would not have been worth it. But because I was bleeding all the money that I had earned in this process, it was just even worse sort of situation. So, all these, like, you know, like everything else just started to unfold. And then you start to feel unworthy. You start to feel all these negative feelings. And it's amazing how, when you're feeling that, the world around you does kind of reflect your internal dialogue. So, um, <clears throat> I now, when I notice my dialogue internally shifting, I will make sure that I spend a few minutes meditating I'll d- and my meditation isn't sitting with my legs crossed and closing my eyes. It's lying down and it's just clearing my mind and just taking about 10 minutes just to be with myself, be with my thoughts and then seeing where I get. Sometimes that helps a lot. Other times it doesn't get me out of the stinky mindset that I'm in right away. But just constantly being like, I have to battle this and The way I look at it, I give this example the other day to someone where it's like, you have to imagine almost like a knight in shining armor inside yourself, battling your internal demons, being like, no, this is not who I am. I'm not going to accept this. I'm not going to accept this dialogue that's happening. And it really is like, I don't know where it comes from, but we all have it.
1: I'm Catwoman. Not you're a knight in shining woman? armor. I want to be cat Catwoman.
0: Catwoman? <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. That is
1: awesome. I'm not.
0: No, you're not Catwoman? No. Okay.
2: Mine's so sucky. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I... <laughs> so you have this. I didn't know other people <laughs> oh, have this. Oh, shit. Like...
2: Yes. I named, <laughs> I named mine. She named hers Catwoman. How freaking cool is Kelly?
1: Oh, no, no. No, I like I dress I dress like her too. Oh, right? Oh, like I really God. play the part. I put That's... the boots on and and I put the hair up and I feel like Catwoman. So I feel like I can conquer everything.
2: Okay. Oh, so
1: mine's a little bit different than you guys. You guys have superheroes that
2: come along and help you. I named my mine Abby.
0: Okay. Abby. And
2: and I called her my ego. Okay. And I referred to her as that that inner child in me that wasn't able to cope with things, but that I had to remember that she had just had a place. She just needed to be nurtured and loved, Mm -hmm. but that I was taking care of things so that she wasn't taking control. Right. And that she had a place. I could listen to her. I could love her and nurture her, but by God, she was not going to make the final decision
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: that I was going to. So... I, I mean, my name is f- nowhere near yours. I'm jealous.
0: <laughs> well, and this is just it. You know, like for me, that was the best way to describe it to somebody, this night in shining armor. But like, it's, it's really like your, your confidence. And, you know, take somebody who's been bullied, even as a child. Those scars are deep. So I think when somebody's something strikes a blow to your self-confidence, you know, you failed at something. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you have these self-doubts. I think what ends up happening is that internal dialogue shifts to the negative dialogue. Mm -hmm. And part of the negative dialogue is how other people used to make you feel because you hold on to that. Mm -hmm. So those feelings come to the surface. And it's you making that choice to be like, I don't want to feel this way. Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel like this. I'm feeling like this right now. Okay. I need to accept that this is how I feel right now. Something put me into this state It's going to happen time and time again. You know, nobody stays at the top all the time. But I think Hmm. people that appear to be at the top all the time are those that are making the decision to be like, I'm not going to feel like this. I don't deserve to feel this way. I'm in control of the way I feel. Mm -hmm. So I must change that. Because nobody's going to change it for you. Somebody says something awful to you on the way to work and it makes you feel terrible. You must figure out a way to overcome it and bring yourself back to where you need to be
2: well you have the right to oh sorry kelly you just have the right to accept it or refute exactly and just return something to somebody else instead Mm -hmm. of taking everything in it's Mm -hmm. just like if every night your husband comes or wife comes through the door and is always picking at you you have a right to make the decision that you're not going to believe any of it or that you're going to hear it or that you're even going to stick around for it Mm -hmm. but so many people get into the routine that they don't ever think again that they have any of the choices.
0: Yeah, and you know, I used to, uh, one of my first, my first long-term relationship was difficult because my girlfriend at the time was a difficult person for me to be around. She wasn't very nice to me, and I couldn't understand why. So I just kept throwing all my love into this relationship, hoping that would change things. I never once stood up for myself and said, "I don't." Appreciate the way that you're treating me in this relationship. Um, I, at the time, didn't know. To me, there was this like definitive, like, I wanted to be a nice person. And I wasn't going to treat my girlfriend any other way but nice. So to handle this situation, I felt like the only way I could like combat it was to be mean. And I wasn't going to stoop to that. But I've learned that there's an in-between, and you probably know where I'm getting. It's being assertive, and you have to assert yourself. Mm -hmm. And for somebody who's never done that before, it's terrifying. You're super scared of it. Mm -hmm. But um, with practice, like anything else, and it's probably more difficult for somebody who's in a long-term relationship to begin asserting themselves than somebody who ends a relationship Mm -hmm. and starts a new one where they assert themselves.
1: When you're rocking the boat.
0: Yeah, but... What I found is you're making the person aware of their behavior. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't know. And I, I look back at my first relationship and it's like maybe she did know that she was being nice. But I never asserted myself. I never told her, you need to stop. This isn't good. You're not treating me well. And I wonder how things would have been had I had that knowledge back then but now that I do and I bring that into situations I find that it resolves things and the quicker you can catch it and mention it the quicker it resolves things and not just in you know like a romantic relationship but in a friendship or in a business relationship or a relationship with your parents these things are all very 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 important and I've gotten the habit of trying to just ask myself identify things and then assert myself quickly and I found that every time I've been assertive, the person that I'm asserting myself to is receptive to it. And it's almost their wake-up call. Like, oh, sorry, Andy, you're right. I didn't realize I was being a butthead to you. You know what I mean? I didn't realize that's how my behavior was affecting you. I'm sorry. Thank you for letting me know. And that's usually how the conversation goes. So it's very important. But again, if you assert yourself and let's say it's a business situation or a friendship situation and that behavior doesn't change. They continue. And that's when you have to be like, I'm sorry, like I'm not going to accept this. And you can't treat me like this. So
2: when you talk about wanting to be a a good person, mm-hmm. um, Beverly Angel is an author who writes a book called The Nice Girl Syndrome. OK, but you can insert boy. Sure. Um, either or whatever is applicable, mm-hmm. and she discusses in great detail in the book the training that a person goes through to become an, a good person and the belief systems and the brain training that yeah. is involved where you you believe or you come to create a belief of, or system of beliefs that if you're going to be a good person, you're going to get what you want. Or you're going to, whether it's love, whether it's a, a job, or whether it's acceptance, whatever whatever it is. But it, that becomes your only tool to then, get your life the way you want it to.
0: And it's, yeah, and then when it's not happening for the person, then there's all this frustration. And I'm going to be more gooder yes. to get more of what I want. And then it's like, oh, well, well I, you know, by being more gooder, I didn't get what i want you yeah. know like why is this happening so and this repeat is par- cycle <laughs> yeah and it, it becomes like a complex for the person like and maybe it's like a partner wanting to feel more love from their partner so they're gonna throw more love at them which is what i did in mm-hmm. my first relationship and you know i never got it back it became this thing where it was like i was putting in a 100 and she was putting in zero you know, and I tolerated that for way ah, too long. There's
2: that word tolerated or oh, accepted, yeah. accepted, right? I accepted it. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, exactly, and um, yeah. So that's that's an example there in my own life where accepting was didn't lead to any positive.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think it's important in in talking about this tonight about in talk that it's necessary to talk about beautiful things that acceptance does in our lives. Like accepting who we truly are and being able to apologize for it sincerely, Mm -hmm. which then means that we have to change it. Yeah. It's not okay to accept it, apologize, and repeat the cycle either.
0: Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, to me, life is like this evolutionary process. And the way I view it is I always want to try and become a better version of myself. So all the actions I'm taking, all the decisions I'm making, um, and the paths that I choose to take, I'm hoping are going to make me that person. And sometimes, like any path, if you take the wrong one, you might take a few steps back. And this is where you have to forgive yourself, just like you were giving the example with running. That's a good example because it's something physical that you can see. So you might, you know, have to start back a few steps further than where you once were. To get further than where you were before. And that's not a bad thing. And I think people need to forgive themselves and accept that. You know, and for me, that was part of what I had to learn with the store not working out. I had to forgive myself for making a very big mistake. Many mistakes. And I had to accept that I was going to be taking, you know, major steps back in the progress that I wanted to see. But I continue working on it and moving forward to get better, or a relationship. It didn't work out. Step back, start new, and build again from there. And, you know, there's something fun about that. When you look at it, you know, it's like a game. You know, you look at it as like, okay, this is another chance to, to give her a go. Let's see where we can take it this time.
2: Mm, I
3: like that.
0: Yeah, it, uh, you know, it's it's no longer... It's no longer something that you have to beat yourself up over. Because I think people jump to that too easily. They jump to, like, kind of giving themselves a hard time for not achieving what they want. And they blame themselves and they find all these, like, internal problems. Don't blame yourself. You know, don't do that. Don't dwell on these things and create those bad habits. Accept it and try again.
2: Can I talk about another acceptance? Sure. The one that popped right into my head was, mm-hmm. um, I hear quite often these days to accept our body image, and that if I'm, uh, no, yeah, no go ahead. oh okay, <laughs> uh, I, I, it's uh, it's of concern to me, um, in that I have to accept my body image, whatever I look like, hmm. and now I want to clarify right off the bat, I am not talking about people with disabilities. Of course they do. Of course, everyone has to accept that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about obesity. I'm talking about where people are overweight and it's a health concern. Mm-hmm. Obesity is a health concern. It, really, it brings on diabetes and other a multiple number of medical conditions mm-hmm. and emotional ones as well. Absolutely. Okay. And they say, I'm just accepting myself for who I am. I'm a hundred pounds overweight. I'm just accepting myself. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's not a good way. That's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mind saying this. I can, I know I can be very attacked for this because um, my stature is not of a big person. So I know right off the bat, I'm going to be attacked because I'm small. Okay. However, I'm referring to the fact when people accept something that's unhealthy, yeah. just like they accept the abuse at the job or or in the marriage, or from their parent, or from their child, that they're accepting that they self-abuse because they do have another choice. They do have the choice to eat better. Mm -hmm. They do have the choice. And I'm not saying for every single person. Some Mm -hmm. people are disabled. Some people um, maybe have obesity because of drugs or uh, whatever. But even at that, there may be some physical therapy that they still can do in a wheelchair mm-hmm. or in a bed that is still at their level. Yeah, And I'm saying that there's always a level that's appropriate to that person's, condi- uh, I'll say condition, just meaning state of being. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes to be able to say, and I'm accepting who I am, so you have to accept me too, is a way out. And it creates a depression And uh, a sense of, if you don't collude my reality with me and accept me for who I am, Mm -hmm. um, there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Fat is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I I clearly remember as a child being in the funeral home when my dad had, uh, they did autopsies in, in the funeral home. And I remember one day walking in when there was an autopsy going on. I was a kid. And seeing fat, the body was open. And they had the body cavity, and they were removing the organs. And I remember seeing the layers of fat. That is not beautiful.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And mm-hmm. what it does to the organs inside the body is not a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So as much as people want to say there's, there should be acceptance of it, there is not. Mm -hmm. The soul does not accept that either because it wants you to live your best life. That's it. And if somebody is saying, oh, but being obese is my best life, if there's a medical reason for it, okay, but anything thereof, you're lying to yourself.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And you're like you said, you're asking others to lie to you as well, collude your reality.
0: Yeah,
2: you have to ask others to collude your reality because if, if they don't, then you attack them. And and this is something I find very difficult to understand is that if if I'm an alcoholic and that's unhealthy for my organs, and now I expect you and Kelly to collude my reality this evening, mm-hmm. then I'm asking you to lie for me because you should love me. And if you love me, you'll lie. Well, no, a hmm. lie is a lie.
0: So this is, this is a very interesting topic. This is also... As you mentioned, it's, it's a sensitive topic, right? Um, so where I can chime in, and I'll gladly chime in, uh, I suffered from childhood obesity. And at age 16, I weighed over 260 pounds. I stopped weighing myself. I don't know where my, you know, mm-hmm. f- where what I got to. But, you know, it wasn't something I was happy with at all. I, you know, going through my childhood... I remember being very upset with the way I looked. Um, I remember the feelings that came along with that, the feeling Mm -hmm. especially of like one of the strongest feelings I can remember is feeling like nobody was ever going to love me. Mm -hmm. And being a child that went through that, um, you don't go through similar experiences that other children do. So one of those experiences is, you know, finding, um, you know, just having like a girl show interest in you. That wasn't something that I experienced until after high school and after I lost weight. And I had developed this mindset where I felt like I wasn't deserving of it. It was never going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. And I had this huge barrier that was my weight. Mm -hmm. So I can sympathize with children who are going through that and experiencing that. And I think the difficult thing that I especially can see with children is it's out of their control. Mm -hmm. It took grade 11 biology for me to take my first nutrition course for me to understand how the body works. And I remember in biology, I made decisions one day after learning how the body works and I stopped drinking pop and I stopped eating fast food. And those are two things I haven't done again. Mm -hmm. And then I started walking to school every day and it was a four kilometer walk in both directions. And by the end of that year, I was under 200 pounds. I would went from being, I think, like a double extra large, like very large shirt uh, to fitting comfortably in a medium T-shirt. And it was by changing very simple habits in my life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get the body I wanted right away. And, you know, let's I'll be honest, I'm not still in the body that I'd love to have. And that's a result of the childhood. Obesity that I had, mm-hmm. but I work at making sure that I'm happy with the way I look and how and what I do. And one of the biggest things that I've also learned later on, because now it's been over 10 years uh, since I have started this, you know, this better lifestyle, is it's an ongoing thing. You're constantly learning, you're constantly developing new techniques and figuring out your body and finding out what works and what doesn't work for you. Um, But it also um, is something that kind of never ends. But if you're looking at it as a diet, like I don't look at my diet as a diet anymore. Mm -hmm. It's the way I eat, it's the way I choose to eat. And I choose not to eat certain things, and I choose to eat some things um, that, you know, I choose to eat healthy. You know, it's just important to me. I feel good. I'm at a point now where if I eat unhealthy, I feel sick and I listen to my body. If I wake up in the morning, and I feel hungover because I ate bad food the night before. That's my body telling me something. Not to say I don't make mistakes from time to time. That does happen. But I always get a rude awakening the next morning. So I have to identify with what's going on in my body. Um, gosh, there was something I wanted to... A point I wanted to make here. Um, there's a lot of points that I could make. But I've kind of I've lost my train of thought. So, yeah, I'll
2: let you think for a second. Okay, I brought all of this up, Andrew, because to question people about what they accept about themselves, yeah, in terms of doing what we do as energy healers, yeah, we see what the obesity does to people. Mm. And it, when I say I'm a small person, I lost 35 pounds, so when you're five feet or I'm five one, yeah. 35 pounds is like four or five sizes bigger for me. So that's not huge. Somebody might say that's not called obesity, but might be by somebody's, if it's more than 10 pounds overweight, I don't know what the d- scientific definition of mm-hmm. obesity is, but we see the emotional effects that it has on people, yeah. that it has on their self-esteem, their self-worth. Oh yeah, everything. That it has on their decision-making, whether they go to the beach with their friends because they'll be wear a bathing suit or not. It's a
0: life changer. This totally. is the thing. It's a, it's a a complete life changer because you're going to have confidence that you didn't have before. You're going to feel good in ways you didn't before, you know, for, you're going to perform in activities better than you did before. And if that's something that you value in life, like there's so many reasons for why you should do this. Um the one thing that I found is when I got caught up with it being an appearance thing only, That's when you get discouraged and frustrated because you're constantly looking at your appearance for this like validation that you're doing something better. Hmm. And when I was maybe 26, I stopped worrying about it being like an appearance thing only Mm -hmm. and started to do it for like health reasons because it made me feel good. Mm -hmm. And I took like, I kind of don't care what the results are anymore. And as soon as that went away, I started to enjoy everything more. I started to enjoy the workouts that I was doing. It became fun. It didn't become this like chore. Oh, I have to go and work out. It's like, to me, that's the one thing I really look forward to going to do every day now. Because it's my escape. It's how I get out of my mind for an hour. I can turn my phone off and put it in the car for an hour. And not to mention, I get this great endorphin rush when I leave. There's so many benefits to it. I love it. And even though there are days where I'm stressed right out, and I find the days where I am stressed out, they're usually the days I feel like the last thing I want to do is go to the gym. So I've had a stress, stressful day, like I'm dragging my butt and going there. And there's a lot of times where I want to turn around, and I know a lot of people feel this, but a lot of people also know that as soon as they start, they're so happy they did. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they finish, mm-hmm. they couldn't be happier than having gone. Mm-hmm. And they feel great for having done it. And I I hear so many people bring up excuses as to why they don't go to the gym. And I really feel like people need to change that and find excuses to go to the gym. And, you know, or whatever it is that they need to do to take care of themselves. I don't have time to cook food for myself, healthy food. So I need to eat fast food. It's not, I don't find that to be, an option there's there's no reason that has to be an option you can find a way you can make different decisions it's just a matter of buying different food <clears throat> and i think a lot of people this is that whole <clears throat> thing where it's like pity and like i have no control over my life i'm fat i'm not in control of this situation it's like no this is not true you need to make different decisions you are in control and if you make a few different changes and for me like i said it was just a matter of stopping eating fast food stop drinking pop and walking, and it could, for me it was school, it could be to and from work. <clears throat> Change those three habits in your day, and you, in a few months, and I lost the weight fairly quick, it was like six months, made a huge difference in my life. And like I said, I didn't get to where I wanted to be. So for the next 10 years, I spent trying how to like, you know, lose extra weight, you know, get down and kind of deal with this like up and down and get the body that I want and you know starting and stopping things and mm-hmm. a lot of it was self-experimentation and you know trying different things and I don't think it's a bad thing cuz you discover a lot about yourself but um I would say there's no one right or wrong way and I think that's where you have to like for me that's where I had to accept the fact that because I was big I wasn't going to be as defined as somebody who had never put on weight mhm so that's where the acceptance comes in, you know, and that's where I think it's fine. That's where you have to love yourself regardless. You know, if you mm-hmm. have stretch marks, mm-hmm. I don't look in the, the mirror and look at my stretch marks as like a negative thing. I don't find them ugly. I don't find them, you know, I don't look mm-hmm. at them negatively. That's not the way I'm going to look at my body. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love them. And, th- and that's what it has to come down to. You have to look in the mirror and love yourself for who you are. Mm -hmm. and that's important and love yourself through the journey okay so as you're losing weight a lot of people get discouraged because they're like i still have that role and that's all they focus on is that one thing they want to change about themselves that they can't and that will beat you up inside Mm -hmm. and it's like no i have to love myself regardless of this so ignore it and look choose to look at the things that you do like about yourself look into your eyes and find like the beauty in your eyes or your facial structure or the caring, kind person that you are like, look past all of that. Mm -hmm. And you know, and that's where it's okay to like accept yourself and be like, regardless of what I'm doing, I'm doing the best for myself so I can accept what I'm doing. I'm going to love myself, you know, and now you can go to the world and, you know, have the world love you too for who you are. Mm-hmm.
2: I like a lot of the points that you made. I just wanted to bring up the point that sometimes we hide behind something and say we're, we have to accept it and accept accept yeah. who we are. But underneath that, underneath that, I'm not picking on anybody mm-hmm. that's overweight. I'm trying to say that underneath that they have to deal with their own feelings about it
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm,
2: and mm -hmm. they project it on other people to say you have to accept me Mm -hmm. the way i am Mm -hmm. but what i'm saying is is deep down underneath they don't
0: so it's any unhealthy habit a smoker that won't give up smoking
2: I, i and you know when you were talking about that i was thinking even like i i just picked weight But I mean, I could have picked alcoholism. Exactly. I wasn't trying to pick on anybody with a weight issue. There are people with weight issues that are legitimate. Chemotherapy. There's all kinds of things that put weight on us.
0: But people like, so take cigarette smoking, Mm -hmm. losing weight, uh, alcohol addiction. They won't stop because it's hard. Mm -hmm. And they also won't stop because they've started and failed. And, you know, and it's like, you know what? That's part of the process. You have to, you know, try to quit smoking for three, three weeks. Okay, maybe something happens, you got stressed out, you end up picking up a cigarette again. Try again. Mm -hmm. Why give up? Mm -hmm. Okay, you try to diet for three weeks and you fell off one day. So you're going to stop three weeks of good behavior. You're not going to give it another three weeks. And I think this is what, I I think this is the most important thing to do is you can't give up. And it's just like the whole idea with the business. Had I given up two years ago would have just ended because I didn't dig in you know you've always got more what's what do you have in you you know you hear these motivational speakers they're trying to pull this out of people they're trying to say like listen you want to give up your body's primed to give up your mind is primed to tell you like stop nah there's an easier way you can always take the easier way you have to choose to take the harder path because that's what's better for you and that's i think yeah
2: i think you've paraphrased what i was trying to say yeah yeah. That it's important for yourself not to give up and through this is all where, of this.
0: When you were saying lazy earlier, this is what it is. It's not, you know, this is what it comes down to. It's not giving up.
1: hmm hmm I, I, there's two really big points that I, that I like that you made. Um, when you were talking about the relationship with yourself and talking about the journey, Um, and that it's an ongoing process, um, and how you can look at that on an individual level, but then take that and implement it into all of your relationships. Mm -hmm. And you also said that, I know we were talking specifically about weight You said there was no one right way to do things. Um, And if we take that lesson into our relationships with people, um, we can fall into ruts in the way that we communicate. We can accept the fact that I'm the fixer and you're the breaker and this is how we're going to function. But that ongoing process of learning how to communicate to figure out what works for the two of you, Mm -hmm. and when it becomes old and a rut that we don't even think about anymore, that we have to change it up yet again.
0: Yeah. I think you know you've heard this all before everybody's heard this communication and relationships key it is 100 percent. and you have to be willing to be vulnerable in front of the person that you're in a relationship with and you have to have a level of trust to know that that person isn't going to take your vulnerability and use it against you and if they do then they don't you don't deserve that treatment from that individual mm-hmm. that's where it needs to end so you have to have that comfort level with somebody and it has to go both ways And that way you can work through anything together and you can be vulnerable and once you've broken it down and you've gotten to that level where you can just be yourself and you're being kind and loving to each other that's where you can start to build something really beautiful and i think one of the theories that i have is that again it's a choice everything is a choice and i think one of the things that i do in the morning is i prime myself before my list like you mentioned Mm -hmm. comes into my mind to try and think um positive things right off the bat about myself about my day about my business um and while in a relationship i try to you know just i tell myself that i'm in love with the most beautiful person in the world the perfect person for me and i'm going to do everything i can to love this person um as much as i can to give them my best and I think that if two people can do that in a relationship every single day, they're not going to treat each other bad. They're going to feel like they're in this incredible relationship because they've told themselves that they are like, this is, this is the best. This is like the most romantic, beautiful relationship I could possibly be in. This is amazing. This is awesome. This is what I'm going to create, but it takes both people doing that. And I think that mindset in both partners creates something magical and i don't think a lot of people do it or they become lazy like you were mentioning they stop trying after 3 months they hit that comfortable level where they're comfortable it's familiar you know after a year after 2 years after marriage after a kid it's familiar they don't have to work anymore at this relationship it is there so they the passion's gone the mysteriousness is gone there's no risk anymore and the love starts to fade All those things that once were gone, they've faded. But by choosing to be like, no, this is like the love of my life. I want a deeply passionate romantic experience with this person. And I'm going to make that happen by loving this person. And both parties do that. I think you can turn a negative relationship into a positive one very quickly. But again, it takes that open communication and it takes being able to be vulnerable. And um, I really do feel that if people were to make that decision every single morning, like I, you know, like, and I'll just use the example, like I'm in love with the most beautiful person in the world, the most amazing, incredible person in the world. and They just set their mind to think that way and they go about their day and they look at their partner through that lens, they will create that incredible, beautiful, amazing relationship that they want. And they'll both have it, but they both have to want it. It can't come from one party. It has to come from both. But I really do believe that if people started doing that, it could change so many relationships and potentially be one of those things that changes the world.
2: Imagine if we also took that into workplace environments where employers and employees saw each other as as that valuable. Because Mm -hmm. one of the things I'm hearing about what you're saying is that you're seeing value. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's a challenge, Andrew, because there's, there's so much now in our society that doesn't put a value to very many things because everything's disposable mm-hmm. or quick mm-hmm. or replaceable or whatever. And I'm not saying people have to stay in relationships no. that are unhealthy, but you're talking about two conscious people mm-hmm. with, a, with a similar intention that has integrity and truth to it mm-hmm. and with a strong desire to work consciously each day at it.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's a day to day thing. It's it's an everyday thing. And it's funny because even if you don't believe it in the beginning, my grade 10 math teacher, when I was struggling with math, told me to fake it till you make it. And there are times where I feel like I live my life that way all the time. I didn't go to school for design. I didn't like everything I do in my business. I taught myself. I faked it until I made it. And I really did. Like I have no educational experience. I have no practical real world experience. I didn't go and work for somebody else and get experience. I just figured it out on my own. So I think that attitude, faking it until you make it in any circumstance, is a good attitude to have if you're not feeling confident.
1: Is this something I wanted to bring up earlier when we were talking about the Knight and shining armor and Catwoman and, mm-hmm. and Abby? Yeah, is um, <laughs> poor little Abby, um, was one of the episodes uh, in Grey's Anatomy. Shonda Rhimes, I always go back to talking about her. Um, Amelia Shepherd was supposed to like uh, do this incredible procedure. Mm-hmm on a fellow surgeon and she was just shaking in her boots um she stood in the scrub room before she walked in and she assumed this superhero pose
0: and she stood like that yeah she stood
1: like that for about a minute and you know her other surgeons around her were like what are you doing and she's like it's been proven that if you stand in this pose for at least a minute you will start to feel powerful yeah And I I love it because, well, we both know we stand in powerful poses each day. Pretend we're wearing our capes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm learning this through yoga. So one of the things, or one of the first things that I learned um, when I joined Ruby Yoga, it's... um, Well, her studio is a style of Iyengar and it's learning how to stand in tadasana or mountain pose uh, and how literally how you're supposed to stand on your feet, Mm -hmm. which points of your feet are supposed to touch the ground and feel grounded. Mm -hmm. And what that does for you when you stand uh, not just with the legs in a powerful uh, posture, but also with your shoulders back and your arms Mm -hmm. down in a powerful posture Um, and what that does uh, for your psyche Mm-hmm. Oh, when, huge. when you're standing in your own space and sure of yourself
0: now i've watched uh i believe it was a ted talk where they discussed this and um, there are power poses and they showed a huge difference so when somebody's kind of cowering in like pulling in on themselves their hands are together the shoulders are rolling in they're kind of curling into a ball that's a very weak uh pose um and you know it's they're very easy to be domineered in a situation like that So you've seen kids sitting in a classroom like that where you can see them where they're really timid. It's a very timid posture. And uh, psychologically, just by opening up your arms. So when you see somebody win a race, the first thing they do when they cross the finish line is their arms open up. It's a very natural sort of thing. So it instantly boosts confidence. So somebody that, uh, they tested this by having people go into an interview. And they had people sit closed off in that ball versus people going in, uh, after, so they sat like that for a minute. Then the other test group went in with their arms stretched open wide, uh, or with their hands on their hips. Like you were saying, there's a couple different power poses, but those are the two that I remember. And the difference was huge when they went into the interview, the people that were stretched open, taking up more space, were feeling more alive, energetic, like their true self. And they, uh, were a lot more successful in the interview than the person that was closed off and timid. And what happens is your body posture tells your body and your mind sorry how to uh, relay the information in the world that's going on around you. So just like your negative mindset that I was talking about earlier, this is the same sort of idea with your body and building confidence. And um, the interesting point on that was when they started to study it, they discovered that it releases certain hormones and energy that like i think for men by opening up it releases testosterone and testosterone is one of those things that helps give you confidence and all sorts of other you know traits that are going to make you more successful in a situation like an interview so yeah i think that's an incredible thing yeah power stance yeah power mind yeah so, I love today. Yeah. I think we got to touch on some things. Yeah. I I kind of feel like we went through a number of different things and I and I'd like to like tie them together a little bit cuz I think they are all very interconnected. So, yeah. So, I think
1: You want to tie them in? I do want to tie them. I feel them like in. you did. Okay. Yeah. I, I think through all the examples, uh, talking about acceptance, we even talked about control, mm-hmm. um, when we were ch- chatting about weight, mm-hmm. um, denial, mm-hmm. all of those different things and how they, they affect one another. I think you did a great job of that. And okay. same goes for you as well, Karen. I tried quite a
2: bit like Andrew that you, you, I noticed like you would bring up a lot of like the positive aspects and I tried hard to also bring up things that were difficult, um so that people that are listening to it that are going through a hard time like the the difficult parts of what what we can't accept that's mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. sometimes is just as important mm-hmm. as, as accepting the things that are good mm-hmm. about us too oh absolutely and and the the importance of when we're not in healthy relationships that we should have zero acceptance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it's as important as having 100% acceptance that this is who this person is mm-hmm. Um so hopefully we between the three of us we we were able to help people see in different situations mm-hmm. and I'm very aware very aware that people attack everything people say these days mm-hmm. um and misunderstand people's intention so I hope that people understood the intention was to grab everybody in different spaces and say, does this apply to you? Yeah. Because there may be somebody who is overweight that did that, what I said, didn't apply to. You have to have the emotional maturity to understand if it didn't apply to you, then don't take it personally.
0: Okay, absolutely.
2: Uh-huh. That's important because for somebody else, if it does apply, and somebody else say who is obese or is an alcoholic or is an abuser, needs to accept the fact that they are because it's the first part of being able to take help or being able to seek help and ask for it. So that's why I say it's very important, I believe, in being able to touch in all of these different areas and to bring up things that are hard to talk about.
0: For sure. So I'm going to try and summarize it. Go for it. Okay. So I think we started off talking about acceptance. So I think rule number one, is accepting where you're at, no matter where that might be, and accepting anything that's come to you in your life. And then you have the decision to make a choice on how you're going to react from that point forward. So that is, that is your gift. That is what you have, is the decision. So choose wisely. Also being grateful. Even when you're experiencing hardships, there's always some sort of light at the end of the tumble and finding that gratitude will help you through difficult times and give you the strength you need, you know, or like give you a better lens to perceive your world because you start to realize all that you do have. And you do have a lot if you're listening to this podcast. So there's lots to be grateful for. Um and then, you know, creating your own iron mind. And so creating these habits, so this becomes like a daily thing, so you're constantly taking yourself or reflecting on yourself, kind of looking internally and understanding why you're feeling a certain way and, you know, uh, and taking charge of, of getting yourself out of that situation and remembering that you're in control. So if there's something that you're not happy with and you're not satisfied with, you have the choice to make a decision to change it. It's up to you. So just start.
1: Okay. That was perfect. Okay. <laughs> that was a great summary. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're going to call that um, the morning, I guess, even mm-hmm. though we're taping in the evening, then um, uh, we'll welcome questions again. And I think Karen, you brought up some really good stuff about if people are offended or have found themselves in, in the examples and maybe are making assumptions or are not clear about some things, then we welcome those as respectful questions, mm-hmm. uh, so that we can continue having these conversations and continue reaching people, uh, and hopefully answering questions, but also stimulating just great conversation along the way. So our, you can email us at info at uh, and you can visit our website at by as well. Andrew, thank you again for coming. Hopefully mm-hmm. there'll be you. round three.
0: Yeah, sure. Anytime. Awesome. Thanks for having me.